0: Welcome to your Active's Tech Brief podcast. My name is Luca Bertuzzi, your technology editor. This week, we take a closer look at the Data Act and at the state of the policy discussions. For an overview on all things technology in the EU, sign up to our free newsletter or visit the website youractive.com. This is your Active's Tech Brief podcast. Today, I'm joined by Heiko Rector, research fellow at the Max Planck Institute for Competition and Innovation. And we are here directly from Berlin, where for the data summit, we just had an interesting discussion about the Data Act and how to make it fit for purpose. So I just turn the question back to you, Heiko. How do you think that we can make this regulation work? And what are the critical points that we need to correct at this stage?
1: I think it's a very ambitious regulation. Um, and for this reason, the complexity is very high. And um, the risk is to um, not not see that in some details that there are big questions that lie in these details. And um, in my view, what what I would support is a horizontal approach. I think it has been prepared over the first discussion started over seven years ago now. and. Actually, in another disguise, was the data property or data ownership debate, and turned into an access debate, which I um, I favor uh, very much, and also the horizontal approach, is um, is uh, meaningful and to be supported as long as it leaves enough flexibility for taking the sectoral spec- uh, specifics into account, so that. Would be the first um, actually uh, plea to, to say that the result should be a horizontal regulation that leaves flexibility. Now the question of horizontal regulation is always: um, what is the common denominator? What are principles that um that are basically applic- applicable to 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 the scenarios of uh, of data sharing that that we see and that we want? And I think. Up front is the very important question that is not clear from the Commission's draft. And as far as I see it, the political discussion um, is also not, not taking um, sufficiently into account on this, on this very conceptual level is what is this access right for that is in the Data Act? What should users be able to do with the data? What should third parties um, be able to do with the data on basis of this access right? Of course, that's a mandatory right. So besides that, there is always the possibility of, of, of voluntary uh, sh- sharing and going beyond this. But what do we want to reach with this access right? And I think if we clarify this first, and I don't see a clear and straight line in this yet, then we should um, we should continue with such questions as, which data is actually in the scope, which should fall without the scope, uh, how to trade trade secrets, um, what about the technicalities about access, how to treat SMEs and so on. So first get the concept straight. And there are basically two, I wouldn't say opposing concepts, but two very different concepts. One would be to limit it to certain purposes and interests. That means attaching the access right to, um, to only some specific cases and uses in particular, um, secondary um, the value-added, uh, value-added uses and services on secondary markets, or putting it, f- framing it rather the way of co-generation of data, meaning that because I have generated this da- data, I'm entitled to do whatever uh, I want with the data, and the data holder is not. So these are the two basic concepts. And I think this question you have to answer first beco- before going into the details of definitions data holders, data users, and so on. So clarifying all the the vagueness that uh, that is in the draft.
0: I would agree with you that there is some vagueness and some ambiguity in the initial proposal by the European Commission. But perhaps if we want to look at the purpose of what the Data Act is trying to achieve, we should look at what is building on. So the Data Governance Act. And there you have this idea of creating a sort of market from scratch for data intermediaries. And to create a market, you need also to monetize the data. So you have the aspect of how you attribute economic value to personal data and how you make it a, non- a tradable asset. So this is something somewhere there, but it's not really developed in the regulation.
1: Totally agree. And the question is, should this be developed or um, effectuated also in the frame of the Data Act? To be honest, I was really puzzled when I had a first look at the Draft Data Act, uh, because the DGA is not really mentioned. So it does not explicitly hint to the DGA. And I think that was, that's a quite similar piece of legislation that took a lot of efforts. So why making the first step and the second step does not really refer to it. Now, there are there are there are two possibilities. One is that um, it is it is implied. So that basically means they somehow interact, but uh, I don't refer to it explicitly or and that would be that now for the legislator to legislature to clarify, um, I, um, I insert stronger links to the DGA and this goes back to the first comment I was making. Um, If you follow the model of that, basically, um, or if you ask the question, what can be done with the data? What role do intermediaries play for it? It is a big difference if you conceptualize it as a purpose based right or as a sort of um, rather a property right where you can give your data also to an intermediary and then the the intermediary commercializes the data and you get some money back for that. I'm not sure if this is wanted, right? The commission rather focuses on secondary purposes. So intermediaries might help to effectuate these secondary services, but they have to serve the user basically. So they are not merely there for commercializing the data and to to reaping off some uh, monetary flows. But that's open for discussion. I know that um, the political discussion that there are different proposals and depending on how you see that, um, uh, uh, will we'll decide on what, what role d- data intermediaries um, can, uh, can
0: play. And again, I mean, the commission, of course, had its own view, but then the legislative process is is out of their hands. And if you look at what happened with the DGA, it turned into a quite a different beast compared to the original proposal. I want to go a bit deeper in terms of what you said, Um, it's horizontal legislation but we will have to consider sector specificities. Um, the industry just said that one size fits all approach won't work, so how can we make it work? Uh, how do we capture the complexity of the IoT economy where you know data holders are not necessarily the manufacturers? So there is quite a lot of complexity that perhaps needs to be built into this act.
1: Yes absolutely that, that that's the 1 million dollar question basically and you see it with these definitions that sometimes you have some pre notions in mind i think the, there are some examples that are often mentioned It usually starts with some uh, some some farming devices or tra- uh, smart tractors and you often have pr- predictive maintenance as an example um, and it seems that uh, somehow um, the whole regulation uh, is is does build on some some prime prime examples, but there are certainly hundreds and thousands of uses more than uh, than we have thought of and than we can imagine. Because this regulation should be future proof. So um, the the question of um, making it uh, targeted, but not making a following a one size fits all approach. Um, I think you have to think about some basic differentiations that you could include upfront in this Data Act. One would be, is business-to-business business another animal than business-to-consumer? Um, at least this is what is discussed. Um, I think it's not necessarily business-to-business business or business-to-consumers, but it can, um, I mean, when it comes to, to, to legal details, as for example, how to treat contracts is this. But in the real world, it can also make a difference if it's a mass device um, or if it is a, a, a unique device or if it's a custom-made uh, device um for for um for um understanding whether i have to differentiate or not i think um what is very um crucial is chapter 3 because it tries to establish the friend principle for um statutory data access that means for all um data access um rules in the future this friend principle should be there uh, f- uh, unless uh, and a sort of an opt out, um, unless sector specifics establish a different standard. And then the stand- the question is, um, can these sector specific rules basically um, do they have to build on the minimum standard that is mm-hmm. given in the in the in in the um, data act, or can you derogate basically these rules? That's a very very crucial questions, and we do not know in the future. So I think as a default, it's fine. If you can derogate from the standard, I would say you would need at least a justification. So this would leave some uh, flexibility or more flexibility than saying, well, this is the baseline. It always has to be like this, no matter what comes. If you don't want this, um, this baseline to be established or if you want to make it permeable, so to say. Um, then you would need uh, you would need some justifications and especially the reasons for this justifications they have to be outlined and also um, be able to be scrutinized. I think that would be one way to um, to also give some flexibility um, while at the same time establishing horizontal rules. We do have the same problem actually for in open data legislation, where you say these are horizontal rules, but there are maybe some high high-value data sets that are very valuable. So what to do with them? There you have a special set of rules. You can provide a framework of the criteria, um, if uh, that more targeted rules should um, should fit. Um, but that's also a very abstract exercise. So I can understand if this is for the legislator maybe a little too. Too much to install now. What I'm, if I may add this, um, and coming back to the data, ad, what I'm not entirely sure is that the application of this friend chapter, chapter three, so this is not only for chapter one and two um, for, for the IoT access, this should be a general regime established for the future for all data access regimes. But I'm questioning whether this Chapter 3 standard is actually appropriate and, um, and suitable for applying it to, um, to, the, to, the, to Chapter 2 axis, basically. Mm-hmm. So there I see a problem.
0: Speaking of complexity, are we comparing peers and apples when we are talking about B2B and B2C? Because I mean, there needs to be some differentiation of where the data is going. You were also hitting at uh, the contradiction in terms of compensation in this regard. So, how can we make this distinction better?
1: I think uh, the compensation is is a um, the comp- matter of compensation is a conceptual problem um, of of the draft data act. I think the w- the way I read the commission's draft is that the user gets the data for free and can use it for any unlawful purpose, at least this is what recital 28 says, and then recital 28 continues and says, as the prime example for using value-added services, but the first sentence is for any, lawful, uh, for any lawful purpose, no compensation. Now, the third party, however, a third party recipient should compensate for the data. Now, obviously, one way to circumvent it, the user gets the data for free and passes it on to the third party, So um, uh, it doesn't make sense. In this this case, you would circumvent the compensation obligation for the third party data recipient that actually um, Article 8 imposes in combination with, I think, Article 5 or 6. Um, One way to solve this problem, as you asked, is um, treat both alike. That means either user and third party have to pay or Mm -hmm. none of them has to pay. Now, if you ask the industry, (laughs) well, uh, might also depend on whom you ask, right? If you ask, uh, so the industry is of course not really clear. It depends on which side you stand. I would say, and um, basically I have to disclose at the Max Planck, we wrote a um, quite comprehensive uh, position statement that in a wonderful team, Um, And this proposed solution is um, there is no reason for compensation in this case. especially friend makes everything uh, much more complicated. It can lead to hold up. And um, there are also ways to basically pass on the costs. So if the argument is that costs occur on the device. But then again, um, it it depends also uh, on whether it is business to business or business to consumer device but to make this rule simple the answer in this case would be no compensation to uh, for, uh, to Um, uh, in in any of the case for the user and and, and, and the third-party recipient.
0: Now, to move on to the matter of the type of data that should fall under the scope, uh, this is really a key question, of course. And uh, speaking with someone that was working on this in the parliament, the person told me that there are two ways to kill um, this uh, legislation. You didn't... You either make everything about trade secrets to the point that the data you receive has no value, or you make it so much about raw data that, again, the data has no value. So there is a lot of discussion about transmitted data, uh, even about the devices that should be considered in scope uh, or the related services. Um, there doesn't be, seem to be a common understanding on this concept, at least in the parliament yet. Uh, so, how, how can we frame this debate in, in a way that makes sense uh, and makes the data work? I would totally agree
1: with what you said. These are two ways to kill it, um, but I can also understand if the data can be used for everything that uh, there, is, uh, there is some understandable concern of the industry that, uh, that they, they, might, uh, they might lose the trade secret or have to, have to disclose the trade secret. And um, the, uh, the second question is which data? And in my view, both questions are related because they relate to the question for which purposes can this data be used? If the purpose is well-defined on an interest-based um, uh, concept, then, you would say, I, th- "I think it's consequential." Then to say this purpose has to be reached, what does this mean? Let me give you an example, because sometimes it is very the discussion is very abstract. So, um, let's take a uh, let's let's take a fitness tracker, a device. Now, um, you might want to have data: how many steps a person made one day while walking. And this data might be very important for offering some other apps, value-added services, and so on. So you'll want to have access for this, um, for this purpose. Now, the question is how to classify this data, how to classify whether this is step or not. I mean, one question is, is this stored on the device or is this sent to the cloud? But um, my question is, how to qualify this data? Now, you could argue, well, this is only observed data. Is this raw data? In my view, no, it is actually, it can be inferred data because the question, if something is a step or not, that is nothing that uh, that the sensor tells you. Right. There's maybe an electric impulse. So it's a one or a zero. And then there has to be some calculations. And the better your algorithm is, the better um, the device can understand this is a step or this is just a coincidental bump because I was sitting in a car or something like that. Now, if you. Um, if you understand this as inferred data, I mean, um, if, you, if you ask technicians, they also have their opinions. But if you would say this is inferred data and this would be out of the scope um, of the data act, it would be entirely useless. And this is only about if this is a step or not. This is not about trade secrecy it's here where you can derive anything about the algorithm, the data set and so on and so forth. So in my view, if the purpose is clear what I want to do with this data, then... Um, uh, the 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 data that should fall under the scope of the Data Act should be broad, should be broader, and um, the fact that you say well it should not be in because it's IP protected there you really need to have a close look of what IP protection you're talking about. Are you talking about database protection? Well, this is actually sort of overruled by Article Thirty Five, so that's not a problem. Um, is it, is, it, is it about um, copyright? Well, there is software protection, but I have to ask how this should be affected. Is it about patents? But it's absolutely not clear upfront that it's protected. The other question you were asking about trade secrets, because this is also related. Um, yes, there is this, um, this problem or this dilemma that um, one way to kill it is um, to say, um, trade secrets are respected in a sense that um, if I claim that this, these are trade secrets, trade secrets are involved, then this data set is not um, affected under the access rule. And for this reason, I think it's a reasonable approach as far as I read it in uh, what the commission proposed is, well, we respect trade secrets. But you also have to take measures to protect the, ta- the trade secrets and disclose it. And for not losing it, then um, you uh, you have to accept confidentiality agreements and so forth. So I think this is this is the right approach. And again, this is also um, I think uh, an approach that is justified in case the purpose is clear. As I said at the beginning, I can understand that if now users can uh, use such data sets, and if you have a broad definition of the data sets, uh, which I saw, uh, which I said, and then also make sure that you have confidentiality agreements with with any third parties and users, uh, the likelihood uh, significantly increases that you will lose the trade secret. But trade secret is a legal concept, so it's not. It's not natural law that something is mm-hmm. a trade secret, and this is this is um this gives you flexibility on the one hand, on the other hand poses the risk that it can be strategically abused.
0: Indeed, and I think that if policy makers don't get this right, or at least the text is not clear enough, uh, there is a concrete risk that this uh, will land on the desk of lawyers, and that they will do their best to avoid that their clients. Uh, don't fall under the scope. But lawyers will also de- do that if the law is clear. Well, at uh, least Brussels is very is doing a very good job at keeping lawyers busy as well as other categories like uh, lobbyists. Uh, but just to conclude, uh, I I think the Data Act is quite unprecedented insofar as it tries to create a market that isn't there except maybe in a couple of Scandinavian states. Um, so there is also a concrete risk that, you know, y- y- you will have a beautiful legislation on paper that never gets applied in practice. What is your suggestion or, or your message for policymakers to avoid this pitfall? Think
1: about implementation. So sometimes it's helpful to think about implementation and concrete examples before thinking about or while at the same time thinking about these abstract rules. Um, I think it should not be an afterthought of how to make it work. There is a tendency to establish hard law and then to shift all the little details that make the big difference to soft law and leave it to other bodies to decide because you cannot achieve political compromise. And in my view, it is a Hercules task for sure. As I already said, I think it goes, access rights go into the right direction, but to make them work, keep them simple Don't overload them, and especially have consensus on the very, very basic concept that you want to achieve. Uh, I hope that uh, the result um, will not be a compromise that waters, waters down the whole piece. I'm not saying that it is clear now up front. At the same time, the word clarification is maybe a little too marginal when you see that in these details there are actually big questions behind. So my message is, um, my message is be um, uh, be be concise and also strict about the general concept, but less is more, and don't don't overload it with um, with um, with um, some wishful thinking that does not match the market realities, while at the same time keeping it open and make it future proof. That now sounds like <laughs> squaring the circle. <laughs> I'm happy I'm not a policymaker, but in this in this particular case, I really see the risk that it gets overloaded. I wish everyone um, good luck and good good success, uh, especially with the ambition to to have a what was that negotiating mandate until. Um, F- February or March in the parliament?
0: Yeah, so the plan is for the industry committee to uh, vote in uh, February and for the internal market committee in March. Um, so, as you say, it's a complex file and, and probably uh, quality should be prioritized over speed. But at any rate, that's all we got time for this week. Uh, I would like to thank Hey corrector research fellow at the Max Planck Institute for Competition and Innovation. Thank you. That's all we got time for this week. Don't forget to sign up to our free Tech Brief newsletter to stay on top of tech news and digital policy developments in the EU and beyond. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast published on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and Amazon Music. This episode was produced with the technical help of Evi Curie. I'm your Luca Bertuzzi and thank you for listening.